Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, staff evangelist Josh Davis will share how to overcome the trap of the guilt trip Jesus. Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall are celebrating 90 years of proclaiming the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. As you and your family make plans for the summer, make sure you put one of our upcoming conferences on your calendar. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, we'll have a special one-day conference in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, and Micah Van Hus. Our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is open right now. Call 1-800-652-1144 and reserve your seat. They're filling up fast, so don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. We want to see you at these upcoming conferences. The complete lineup of speakers, topics, and schedules are found at swrc.com and click on Events. Or just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. I also wanted to give you an update today on our Meeting the Mission effort. Meeting the Mission is our special effort to match the $1 million gift SWRC has been blessed with. We're hearing from individuals and families from all over the United States and Canada. Everyone participating, that's how we're going to meet the goal. So when you give to Southwest Radio Ministries, your gift will be matched. $25 becomes $50. Fifty dollars becomes a hundred. You will double your impact and ensure that Watchmen on the Wall and all of our ministries will be able to bring clarity to the chaos for many, many years to come. Would you consider giving ninety dollars in recognition of our ninetieth anniversary? Like all gifts given at this time, your support will be doubled, and it will go toward meeting the match. One eight hundred six five two one one four four. That's the number to call and show your support for SWRC. You can also be part of the match by giving on our website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. $90 in honor of our 90th anniversary would be an outstanding way to show your support. And it's doubled during our dollar-for-dollar match. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. There are some common misconceptions of Jesus that destroy our faith and cost us a vibrant relationship with the genuine Jesus. One of those dangerous fake Jesuses is the guilt trip Jesus. Here to explain is staff evangelist Josh Davis. In my book, Fake Jesus, I deal with a lot of the misconceptions that people have of the genuine Jesus. It may be something that has been distorted, some false teaching, 
some distortion of the genuine truth that leads us into this kind of misconception or misunderstanding of who the genuine Jesus is. And today I want to share a teaching based on one of the chapters of my book, and I don't have time to go into all the aspects and avenues of this chapter, but I do want to hit some of the highlights and to help you understand, to help you see through this particular fake Jesus that I fell for and that many Christians have fallen for as well. And we call it the guilt trip fake Jesus. It's really a system of Christianity, a distortion of biblical Christianity that's rooted in fear. It's a fear-based system, constantly living in paranoia, living in fear of who Jesus is and what he may do to you. And as we fall prey to this fake version of Jesus, we're afraid that God is just watching us with his arms crossed, he's angry, he's mad at us. We can never do enough to please him. And so we're constantly consumed with guilt. And we assume that God is always disappointed in us. We see God as being angry. He is being domineering, as being authoritarian over us, almost like a dictator would rule over us with an iron fist, and we've got to constantly please him or else. And as you can imagine, there's a very small emphasis on love and a love-based relationship with God under this version of a fake Jesus. It's distorted into a performance-based system. It's all about do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. It's a system of good works that you're trying to just absolve God's anger and that feeling of guilt and judgmentalism that comes from God. This lifestyle is really focused on completing spiritual tasks and good works. And I think those of you who may be more like me, I'm more of a task-oriented person by nature. And so maybe we are more prone to fall for this particular fake Jesus because we just want to complete the task, complete the task, complete the task. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's consider Bible study. So Bible study is great. Bible study is terrific. And I'm going to come back to that. But if you just do Bible study to complete a checklist... And there was a time in my life when I was younger that, you know, I was trying to do the read your Bible in one year challenge. And if you read about three chapters a day on average, you'll get through the entire Bible in one calendar year. That's a wonderful goal to have. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But for me, it became more about completing the task than it did about connecting with God in his word. And can I say that even in my approach to Bible study, I became sinful. And I think that it truly is sinful when we distort that. The goal of Bible study is not to complete a calendar. The goal of Bible study is not just to merely read through it in one calendar year. Friends, the goal of Bible study is to know the Lord, to know God who is revealing himself to us through the pages of his word. Uh, 
And so when we distort that teaching, we are really buying into a fake version of Jesus. I think that at its core, we are craving some kind of validation. There's really an insecurity that's rooted underneath a lot of these things. We're trying to measure up in the eyes of God. But we have a misunderstanding of the gospel. We have a misunderstanding of who God really is. I know these are harsh words, and I know that I may be challenging some of you at a level that you perhaps have never been challenged before. And I encourage you, hang with me, because I, I don't want to feel and I don't want you to feel like I'm just beating you over the head with another spiritual club. I believe there's a way out. There's a way to freedom. There's a way to peace. There's a way that we can experience what Jesus has promised to give us, and that is rest for our souls. And so hang with me as I walk through this teaching. I know right now I'm exposing the dangers of this guilt trip fake Jesus, but we're going to move to understanding how to go beyond that. There is hope beyond these things, dear friend. Hang with me. You know, we, we need to understand the distortion of the gospel under this kind of system. The peer pressure kicks in as we're trying to keep our head above water and we're trying to overcome all these overwhelming spiritual currents that we feel like we've got to keep up. I can't measure up. So the focus really becomes have to instead of want to. When I was trying to read through my Bible, I was focused on I have to read it, I have to read it, I have to read it, instead of I want to meet with God in His Word. You know, Christians, we should want to read the Bible so that we can understand the heart of God better and so that we can draw closer to Him in love. But legalism, and that's really what we're talking about, a system of legalism, it insidiously, it subtly shifts the motivation from want to to have to. I hope you catch that important distinction. So those that are living under this fake Jesus let their eyes skim the pages of the Bible and you never really absorb the life-changing truth that's found in its pages. We are more concerned about completing a spiritual chore than we are to drawing closer to God and his authentic heart through his word. Legalism really decays and destroys as it shifts the focus from the authentic Jesus and following these man-made rules. I think that legalism can shipwreck the faith of individuals. It can destroy churches. It can destroy entire ministries. It can erode denominations. It can destroy movements from the inside out. And I think eventually it will become their downfall. This is why this issue is so very important. And I want to encourage you, if you fall and pray to the guilt trip fake Jesus, how can we find our way out? That's what we want to move to next. The Apostle Paul, if anyone lived a legalistic life, I believe it was the Apostle Paul. And in Galatians, he writes against it with such fervor in chapters, well, really the whole book, but I want to just focus on a couple of the chapters as we go through. Again, I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, 
And I talk about it at length in my book, Fake Jesus, in the chapter on the guilt trip, Fake Jesus, that I'm teaching out of today. So I encourage you to pick up a copy of the book and you can study this more for yourself. And I also encourage you, study the book of Galatians. That book of Galatians will help you to understand how to get out of legalism and why it's important to get out of it while you still can. This is a very important point that I want to make, that legalism perverts the gospel of Jesus. Gospel literally means good news, but legalism changes good news into bad news. It's like, hey, you've come to Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been wiped away. Now here, here's a heavy burden that you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to dot this I that way and you've got to cross this T that way. If you don't do it that way, then you're not right with God. It becomes like a wet blanket on a, a fiery, fervent heart that's just devoted to the Lord. It just takes away, sucks the life out of Christian people and changes us to bitterness and to judgmentalism and so much more. But what we see as it strikes at the very heart of the gospel, Paul says that in Galatians 1, 6 and 7, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And he says, it's not really another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Right out of the gate in the book of Galatians, Paul says, you have distorted, you have perverted the gospel of Christ. And as you read on through this book, you discover the error that these Galatian Christians had fallen into. Uh, those people that were living in this Galatian region were mostly Gentiles. And Paul preached the true gospel of Jesus Christ to them. They received that truth gladly. But soon after he left to carry the good news to other regions, some false teachers crept in and began to proclaim, if you really want to be right with God, if you really want to show that you're saved, you need to come under the laws of the Old Testament and live out the Old Testament laws. So these new Christians in Galatia, these babes in Christ, they wanted to be right with God. That's wonderful. So they bought that false teaching. To them, it made logical sense. But what they didn't realize is that they were exchanging grace for works. And Paul makes that so very clear in Galatians 1 and 2. But he warned them in verse 8. He said, though we or an angel from heaven, it doesn't matter who comes to you and tells you these things, in other words. He said, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, unto that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. This is the strongest possible curse that Paul puts on these people who would lead them away from the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so what the devil cannot defeat I believe he tries to corrupt. He couldn't conquer Christ on the cross, so he fixes his gaze on destroying this young church. He had a mighty weapon in the hands of Saul of Tarsus, but he lost that battle too, and I thank God for that. Jesus transformed Saul into Paul, and now Paul, who's been transformed and come out of legalism, come out of a guilt trip system, 
is warning these Galatians. They're falling into this very same trap that he had escaped from, and they are perverting the gospel in the process. So again, I come back to this core truth. Legalism is a gospel issue. The Christian legalist may agree that we are justified by faith through grace in Christ alone, but the way they live their life, this Christian life, the sanctification, they view it as if it's by works instead of by grace. So Paul builds his argument against the Galatians in 1 and 2, and then he reaches a climax in chapters 3 and 4 as he explores doctrinal truths and teachings from the Old Testament as he begins to masterfully weave this argument together and make his point abundantly clear. Just to summarize what he says in Galatians 3 and 4, he points to Abraham and he says it's a grace-based relationship with God. It's not a works-based legalistic system. In Galatians 3, 6, Paul says, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he makes it clear in verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. So once we're justified by faith, we're placed into the family of God. We're no longer servants, but we're sons and daughters of God. And since we are sons and daughters of God, we're given a relationship with him by birth, not by our merit. You see, this is an important illustration. Think of it like this. A servant has to prove his worth by his hard work, by his merit. He has to earn his spot at the table. He has to earn a better position as a servant, as a slave. But a son and a daughter, do they have to earn their position? Do they have to earn it by their merit? Absolutely not. It's a relationship-based uh, dealing with the father. So legalism turns children into slaves. It brings free people into bondage. It's really an attempt to reverse the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus died to set us free from the bondage of our sins. When we pervert that gospel with legalism, we're insinuating that the death, the deity, the resurrection of Jesus is simply not enough to save us from our sins. We've got to put forth our own effort to deliver ourselves from sin. So what we don't realize when we go into that spiritual perversion, that we're placing ourselves back under the yoke of bondage that Jesus died to set us free from. So in effect, we choose to become a slave instead of living in the freedom as a son and daughter of God. So to pervert the gospel is to create this fake Jesus, this guilt trip fake Jesus. I want to just point out a few of the highlights. I don't have time to unpack that. I encourage you, if you need to understand this more, pick up a copy of the book, Fake Jesus, by calling us at the ministry, 1-800-652-1144, or by visiting us online at swrc.com. But the focus of legalism is really on people instead of on God. 
the guide in legalism is really by man's rules instead of by God's grace. The outcome of legalism is really bondage, not liberty. As I just mentioned through that helpful illustration, and I unpack this so much more in the book than I have time to get into today, what's the motive behind all of this? The motive behind legalistic living is fear. And it is so deceptively powerful that even strong Christians can be led astray. In Galatians chapter 2, Peter fell into this old way of thinking that he had been delivered from, and Paul had to stand against him and confronts him. He says, you're going back under fear. You're not following the truth. You're following fear. And really, the process of this is guided by works, not by faith. That's why it is so deceptive. Jesus had a lot to say about legalism. He, in Matthew 23, likened it to a grave, a cemetery. He said, you all, the Pharisees, are like whitewashed sepulchers. He says, on the outside, everything is pristine. If you go to a cemetery, it's peaceful, it's quiet, it's tranquil. There's flowers, there's markers. The grass is often kept up in a very pristine manner. But if we could peer underneath the surface, we would see death and decay and corruption. And that's the analogy that Jesus used about legalism. On the outside, you look like you have it all put together, but inside you're filled with death and decay and corruption. You see, legalism is actually like a facade. On the outside, it looks like it's beautiful, but if you peek behind the scene, you see that there's absolutely nothing there. It's absolutely a worthless religious exercise. It's all about the externals, not about the internals. It's all about the show that we put on, not about the standing of our heart before God. I think it leads to a lot of bitterness. It leads to a lot of disappointment. It leads to a lot of guilt. And many Christians, I believe, drop out of church because they live under this kind of system for so long that they say, I can never measure up. I can never be good enough. I can never do enough to please my pastor, to please the Sunday school teacher, to please somebody else. And so we fall under the weight of that pressure. We fall under the burden, that heavy burden that God did not put on us. Friend, if that's you, I encourage you, do exactly what Jesus invites you to do. There is a way to freedom in Christ. There is a path to peace beyond this striving, beyond this struggling. Jesus is offering his authentic self to you. And he invites you today, as he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you, Josh. Learn more about how to identify and overcome the false Jesuses in our world. Get a copy of Josh Davis's book, 
Fake Jesus. Part one of the book examines questions like, is Jesus merely a myth? Who did he claim to be? How did he verify his claims? Is he truly God? Part two of the book exposes fake Jesuses, such as the Santa Claus fake Jesus, the business partner fake Jesus, the cool parent fake Jesus, the political hero fake Jesus, the storm god fake Jesus, and just as you heard Josh talk about today, the guilt trip fake Jesus. Why are these fakes? And how can we find the authentic Jesus? Author Josh Davis answers these questions with a blend of personal stories, biblical truth, and apologetic evidence. Order your copy of Fake Jesus when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order Fake Jesus at our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Now, let's hear from Larry Stamm, author of the book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, with today's Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here with the Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. The Consolation of Israel is a title for Messiah and is used only once in the New Testament. After the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph went to the temple following the requirements of the law. There they meet a man named Simeon that Luke 2.25 states was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2 predicted Messiah would have a ministry of consolation. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. While the consolation of Israel didn't bring comfort from political oppression, he provides spiritual freedom and forgiveness of sin for all who believe in him. Amen. For more connections, visit our website at LarryStam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page. Friends, as we end the month of May, I want to give a brief ministry update. Thanks to your prayers and financial support, we are preparing radio programs that will inform and encourage your faith. Our ministry outreach to prisoners is bearing fruit as we receive letters thanking us for the Bibles and Christian books that are sent to them. The Christian school in Pakistan is thriving, and children are hearing the good news of the gospel. New resources are being planned and produced, books and DVDs that will bring true clarity to all of the chaos. And we're excited to see you at one of our upcoming conferences. We have them scheduled in Colorado Springs, Des Moines, Iowa, and Columbus, Ohio. Registration is open for all three events. Register today at the events page of swrc.com, or you can register by phone, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Thank you for helping us meet the mission. Tomorrow on Watchmen on the Wall, Greg Patton and Carrie Gordon will begin a brand new series examining how the church has been invaded by unbelievers. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported now for over 90 years by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com.